got him in the car right away. I turned the heat wide open, uh, got him out of his clothes. Uh, we had we had all kind of really heavy, warm clothing, and, and he started coming around, started doing better. So we just kept the heat up and everything else. And, and when we left him, he had two pair of wolf socks on, he had boots, he had two, two heavy sets of pants, he had thermal underwear, he had thermal underwear on top, he had four or five uh, heavy shirts, a big heavy jacket, gloves, hats, everything else, and he just thanked us and, you know, God bless you, God bless you. And you were moved. And I mean, Holly, did, did, you were moved. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Holly is big and strong, and, you know, he is, he just started falling. I can't believe that that people are having to live like this. And then we walked down to where where he had been laying, and it was like a uh, a couple pieces of clothes thrown on the ground by a canal. And the only shelter he had was because he was underneath an overpass. I'm not sure that that kid would have lived if we hadn't went out there that day. Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Now the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. And the word I wanna put out right into the public space right now, it's circumstances. I can't judge you and you can't judge me, and we should not judge homeless people because their circumstances put them there. And, and that's important to reference right up front here. And I'm talking, Kevin, I'm talking veterans. I'm talking our, mil our military guys who come back from overseas. I mean, that's a big problem even with our veterans out there. But I think, you know, before we judge or, you know, cast shadows on people, I really think we need to step back and look at the circumstances that people find themselves in. And I, I think that's the opening bell here. Yeah, sometimes uh, everyone is actually right on the cusp of uh, being homeless. I mean, sometimes you might be injured just accidentally. Say you have a car accident, and all of a sudden you become unemployed. And you know, before you were living a, a good life or at least getting by, and all of a sudden it changes overnight. And uh, I think when my sister was on the program previously, she said, I could be you and you could be me. Yeah. And that's absolutely correct. Yeah, that's, that's well said, and you're right. She did say that. Uh, Lisa said that. Uh, uh, there is something about this, and I, I'm impacted and I'm moved, and it's, it's a conversation I've had over a period of time. And today we have a special gentleman on. I'd like you to meet Jacques Hawk. Jacques Hawk. He's an attorney. Uh, he lives in Augusta, Georgia. And uh, what he's doing now with, with the homelessness and, and the way his firm has... Um, 
reached out to the homeless community, and the story behind it is, I think, very revealing, very interesting. Jacques, welcome to the show, and I, I, your story kind of blends between you and your son, Aaron. I want to bring the story right to the head. Uh, before we get to all of the things you're doing today to impact the homeless community, let's bring it back to the point of um, when this came up with your son. How old was your son when you had this big conversation with him about homelessness? Uh, he's about 28 years old. Um, we had uh, we had been trying to find some things to give back to the community. We were sitting around. Uh, we had uh, we had helped out a no kill uh, dog shelter, and we were just trying to find things to to do to help the community, uh, to help folks that needed help, uh, to uh, give back. I, I think it's always very important that that when you are able to make a good living and you are able to uh, uh, have extra, that you give back uh, as much as you can. And uh, we were talking about that, and he said, you know what, Dad? He said, I think the greatest thing that we could do is help the homeless people. And I said, that's a great idea. And then we we just started trying to figure out, well, how could we do it? Uh, and then and, and it was... Uh, it was just starting wintertime. It was getting cold. Uh, there were nights that were just freezing, and, and we would see them out there, and it was just heartbreaking. And we basically used social media to launch everything. Uh, we launched it from our website. We put up ads about the homeless and about and, and sort of described what they were going through uh, in different posts, some on Facebook, some on our website, all different ways. And the community responded in just uh, the very best way. They um, they brought in coats, uh, you know, warm sweaters, hats, gloves, boots, uh, sleeping bags, tents. Now, there was, know, this was back in 2016, back in the fall there, back right in late 2016. Right, yeah. right around there. Why, do you, right. Think, why do you think, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm moved by the fact that this came up just out of a conversation. Now, listen, this is important because... A lot of people today are sitting around doing exactly what you just did with your son and saying, you know, uh, let's give something back. I love the way you started this conversation, by the way, in preface about giving back. That's like, I'm moved by that immediately. And when you say that, I hear that resonating. The energy you just put out in the world, Jacques, is brilliant. It's amazing because people are hearing you. And that's amazing energy because you're now, it's a rallying call to tell people that we should all give back when we're grateful and we've been blessed in our own lives, maybe to give something to help uh, a fellow man out. That's a beautiful thing to say, buddy. And that's the the pivotal point of this whole brink of greatness. But why did Aaron say homelessness? Did you ever find out what, did he have a personal experience with, the, with this? Was there something that happened with someone you knew? Did he encounter somebody in in the um, community? Or why why did that come to him, homelessness? I think it all comes from my dad. My dad was... Uh one of the kindest, uh, most awesome giving human beings that you will ever meet. And um, that rubbed off on my sons. Uh, um, they have always tried to uh, help others. Uh, they have great empathy for those that don't have and, and, and that have suffered. Um, you know, my dad was very, very poor. He grew up in the Depression. Um, you know, he talks all the time about, you know, and I remember him eating rotten bananas all the time around the house when he got, dad, what are you doing? He said, well, you know, that was our, that was the closest thing we got to candy. 
is when the trains would come by and throw off rotten bananas. And and we, you know, to to the very day he died, I mean, he, he would eat all the rotten bananas in the house. Because that was candy and, to uh, him. Yeah, that was candy to him. Isn't so, that something? Um, I think in his great his great care and passion for human beings, mm-hmm. uh, rubbed off clearly on both of my sons. Wow! And wow. and I think that's where it's from. More from what did your dad do for a living, Shock? What did he do for a living? He was a salesman. Uh, and he started out as an auto mechanic, and then he worked Skinner's Auto Supply, which was like a Napa Auto parts place right and then he wound up a salesman selling auto parts but uh greatly encouraged us to stay in school and and make sure that we had a good education and all that but he was the most brilliant man i've ever met he was extremely intelligent you know the way you preface your dad and how you're talking about him is i and i was going to ask you you said he's passed on now but it really is a great piece of the story. I'm so pleased you brought that up because I did not know the influence from your dad, but I, I, I like this because it's the influence from your family and your his grandson, your son, got that as well uh, from your dad uh, when you describe him as being the kind of character that he had uh, and as a salesman himself growing up. So you decide, and Aaron comes out and says, you know, let's impact the homeless. So you wanted to do something. And as you explained, you got a lot of this from your dad. So how does it happen? So it's the fall of 2016. How bad is the homelessness in the communities around you there in Augusta? It's, it's, it's fairly bad. Uh, right around the immediate city, um, um, there's probably four to 600 homeless people. And in the suburbs, it's probably another two or three hundred. Um, and uh, we were so touched when we first got involved because um, the main thing we were trying to do is, is clothe them. Uh, we kept seeing folks out there that, that just did not have adequate clothing for the weather that was going on. And um, I can remember one morning when me and Holly McManus, one of my law partners, went out. And Holly, if you if you ever saw Holly, big guy, he's about six three, six four, uh, used to play sports, big big guy, close to three hundred pounds, and mm-hmm. and uh, and we saw a homeless man walking down the street, an older gentleman, and he looked pitiful, and it was sleeting, and it was just freezing cold, and we pulled over to see what he needed because we had everything loaded in the cars and truck, you know, and um, he immediately says. Uh, I don't need anything, but you got to come. You got to come now. And he said, I know somebody really needs help. And so we, we followed him and ran over and out from underneath the bridge, uh, a young man probably in his mid twenties came out. He had on a pair of, uh, cloth tennis shoes, one pair of cotton socks, the thinnest pants you've probably ever seen. Um, one t-shirt and the thinnest, lightest, uh, cotton jacket you could probably ever and i'm not talking about even t-shirt material i'm talking about the almost like a shirt like material and he had been out in that weather and it was about 28 to 30 degrees all night long he could not talk he could barely move and we 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 literally thought he might die and we got him in the car right away i turned the heat wide open uh got him out of his clothes uh, we had we had all kind of really heavy warm clothing, 
and and he started coming around, started doing better. So we just kept the heat up and everything else. And and when we left him, he had two pair of wolf socks on. He had boots. He had two two heavy sets of pants. He had thermal underwear. He had thermal underwear on top. He had four or five uh, heavy shirts, a big heavy jacket, gloves, hats, everything else. And he just thanked us and, you know, God bless you. God bless you. And you were moved. And I Holly, mean, that you were moved. Oh, this. wow. Yeah. And Holly is big and strong. And, you know, he is. He just started falling. I can't believe that that people are having to live like this. And then we walked down to where where he had been laying, and it was like a uh, a couple p- pieces of clothes thrown on the ground by a canal. And the only shelter he had was because he was underneath an overpass. I'm not sure that that kid would have lived if we hadn't went out there that day. But when you see stuff like that, I met a kid named Clinton. Clinton was a paranoid schizophrenic. He was sleeping on the black deck of a closed mall that we have down here mm-hmm. on the on the loading deck. He drug up an old mattress and and he basically just slept outside there on that mattress underneath the loading deck. Mm-hmm. And, I, and somebody had told me about him, so I went to go see him. Clinton was raised uh, in a foster home. His mother had given him up as a baby uh, to a foster home. And he played sports. He went to school, you know, normal uh, kind of life till he was 18 years old. And at 18 years old, they told him they had something for him, that it was, uh, you know, they were going to something for him. on his. He was thinking they were going to throw him a birthday uh, party because it was, you know, his 18th birthday and everything else. Uh, they, they gave him, a, uh, had him sign some papers and threw him out the door. He didn't have a driver's license. He didn't have an ID. He didn't have a Social Security card. He'd never learned how to drive. He'd never had a job. And he'd been homeless for 13 years. When I met him, he was 31. He's now paranoid schizophrenic because of all the experiences he's went through while being homeless. Yeah. And, and, and he's just, you know, and if you meet him, he's a nice guy. I mean, he's a really nice guy, you know, but you can tell there's some mental issues there. Um, uh, and... You know, it's just pitiful. I mean, you know, how does that how does that happen in America? Um, um, that's what I started with, right? I mean, how does that happen in America? You know, uh, I what comes to my mind, Jacques, is that I, I mean, I think you'll agree with this. Homelessness is not a choice in most all cases. I, I can't say a hundred percent, but I think in most cases, I, you would agree with that, wouldn't you? It's not a choice for uh, many, right? Yeah, I, I mean, every, I mean. I can't say everyone. I'm sure there's just some people just don't right. just aren't willing to put forth the effort. But I'd say ninety five percent of the ones that I run into are not out there by choice. A great majority of them, or at least I'd say fifty to sixty percent, are mental. We don't treat mentally ill folks anymore. Um, we get, even if they go in, they get taken in. They give them the medicine. And say, go get you know, here's your prescription. Go get your medicine. Well, they don't have the ability to get medicine because they don't even have the ability to get somewhere to live or to or to buy food. You know, you think they're going to go buy a script, and then uh, especially they they don't like the way the scripts usually make them feel. And so, you know, it's 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 crazy that we don't 
we don't provide better care and support for the mentally ill. Uh, the mental hospitals are just uh, where they send them when they went off the rails uh, to get them where they're, they're halfway tolerable and then to send them back out in the street. Right, right. And, and, and so we have a lot of that, and then you have a lot of people that are physically disabled, you know, like a carpenter. Uh, he he had a great job or whatever. He got injured on the job. Um, uh, his workers' comp ran out. I th- no, no, no. He didn't even have workers' comp. That's right. And and so all the bills uh, he was uh, responsible for or whatever, they considered many of his surgeries, particularly the one on his arm where he swung his hammer to make his living, as an elective surgery. And um, And so he lost his job. Uh, of course, when you lose your job, you lose your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife left him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, he was trying to get other work, but because of his physical disabilities, uh, he just couldn't do much. He didn't have any other skills, and uh, he's on the street. Right. And uh, that happened to him in about a year, over a year's time. Mm-hmm. And that's how quick, you know, the rug can be snatched out of somebody that's working and doing well in society, or at least getting by. And... You know, and then how quickly they can be on the street. You think of how many people that are living just above the poverty level, just enough to stay out of off the street right. and that sort of thing. Let one bad thing happen. They're on the street. You know, I was thinking of that the other day, Jacques. It entered my mind about, uh, with all the homelessness problems we've been talking about, and it entered my mind about what would it take to be homeless? I mean, what, how would, would that happen in my life? Could that happen to me? Could it happen to somebody else I knew? And why would that happen? Now, I use the word circumstances up front. You just explained a couple of really good cases where the circumstances were not favorable for those people. But then I read somewhere within the the backstories of things I read here, like, you know, it is a little shallow, actually, when I hear people say, and we've all been guilty of this, Jacques, by the way, when you say, well, why don't they just get a job? Like, why don't they just get a right. job? You know, I hear that a lot, actually, for real now. And I and, you know, we, I lo- I'd love to address that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. And we've probably all said that at one time or another. Why don't they just get yeah. a job? Why don't they get off their backside and just go get a job? What I want to do is well, when we take a pause here, we're going to come back here on the brink. I want to talk about the just go get a job. What does that really mean? Just just go get a job. And why don't these people do it here? There's something more to the story, people, about this homelessness stuff. And it really does. I, I've been talking now. I've had some really interesting people on about homelessness that it's really opened my eyes up. And, you know, as you think, as you're walking down the street and you see somebody, you're just about trip over. And to many people, that's a, a nuisance. They're a total, total nuisance. And... But then you and see, they complain about it. They complain about it. And you, right, that's right, absolutely. And then you see the people around the nation and what's happening to a lot of cities and urbans. Now, a lot of this stuff is really is kind of dumb, Jacques. <laughs> I mean, some of it is bad politics. Some of it is there's a lot of other reasons that the conditions have gotten so bad. But nobody's really addressing the problem. And then you brought up a good example of me- mental health. Mental health is one of the biggest problems we're having in our nation right now is mental health, you know? Uh, not in a lack of that. Anyways, let's take that on and then this go get a job business. I want to hear what you have to say about that. We'll be back with more of the Brink of Greatness, friends, in just a moment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. 
We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. There is something special, truly, truly special about a Brink thinker. And Jacques Hawk is a Brink thinker and so is his son Aaron by chance. But there's something special about these people, and they're people that we introduce you folks out there to every week, all the time. In fact, every day. If you look at the stories back at brinkofgreatness.com, just go look at the stories right now, friends. And take a look at the stories uh, we write every day and bring you some of the amazing people that do amazing things. And then we get the chance to talk to people like Jacques here uh, about some of this, some of these challenges. Or, and, and really how you take a situation like homelessness and how you turn it into an opportunity. Jacques, before the pause there, we were talking about um, uh, this this thing we hear all the time. And, and it's easy to say this. And, and let me just say, Jacques, in all fairness, when one's life is going well or reasonably well, you know, it's it's hard to remember that other side. And when you're walking down the street or you're driving down the road and you see someone homelessness and then you say to your buddy or somebody else, what the hell doesn't this person get out and get a job? I mean, everybody has said it at one time or another. And, and sometimes they don't mean it. They don't say it to be entirely mean, but sometimes they look at it as a complete nonsense. So let me ask you that question right now. And then you tell me why. So why is it that they just don't go get a job? It's easy to say. I love the way people sit in their ivory tower and look down <laughs> upon those in the street that, that that are damn near surviving, you know, barely surviving, and uh, and 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 say something like that. If you understand, you truly understand. You go out and meet these people. Uh, they don't have any money. Generally, they are going from uh, church to church or uh, folks that that'll provide a meal. On occasion, they do not have any shelter. Uh, most of them, most of them don't even have tents, that sort of thing. Most of them don't have sleeping bags, and of course, they are dirty and they're going to be filthy. You've seen them over and over. They, they get, they're unshaven. Uh, the hair is all messed up. Uh, they're wearing dirty, filthy clothes. Many times, they stink. They also, but the main thing that really, really, you know, first of all, if he walks into, where's he going to walk into and get a job looking like that? I mean, and and is are there anything that we provide so that anywhere what we provide, well then go get cleaned up, get in a decent, uh, uh, some some sort of decent shape to go get a job. No, we don't. We don't provide anything. And and the main things that they need, though, the real support things that they need, they need some basic and fundamental medical care. Many of them have all kind of medical issues that are just not being treated. Um, uh, they need they need the ability to get a license. They need ability to get an ID. They need ability to get a Social Security card. Some of them need birth certificates, things like that. 
They need the ability. You know, at most jobs, how do you apply for a job nowadays? Do you really go in and sit down and do an interview, or do you apply online? Almost everything is online now. That's right. That's right. If you're a homeless person and you don't even have access to Internet and that sort of thing, uh, you can't get a job. These people don't have the ability to get a job, um, uh, and many of them are too disabled to work. They are basically, I think if I took a Social Security disability lawyer out there with me, uh, he would find case after case after case after case. These are people that can't work, most of them, either because of mental issues or because of physical issues or something else going on. But that's why my main focus here lately has been um, pushing and pushing and pushing. We have we have now a homeless task force that, comp- uh, that consists of the Sheriff's Department, all the people that have been trying to help in the community. Uh, we're all coordinating now. Um, I am pushing very, very hard right now first for a low-threshold shelter because you can go into certain shelters, but they have certain criteria. If they smell alcohol on you, you can't get in. Right. So if you've been drinking, you just freeze to death, okay? Right. If they think you're on drugs, you can't get in. If you, if, if, if you have a certain amount of criminal record, you can't get in. All they're going to do is go in and sleep somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and and yes, there has to be a limited amount of vetting. But the problem is the vetting is so bad that it's, it's, it's keeping out the great majority of the homeless. As I was reading some of this backstory on this, I want you to explain to us how you got, because I find it really fascinating. How did you get the local sheriff's office involved? What had happened from there? How did you partner <laughs> with this? Because, uh, because what I do want to talk about yeah. it just ahead, by the way, is I want to talk about future plans and what you're doing. And I have a okay. lot of questions in my mind, but talk to me first. I want to tell listeners about <laughs> what you did here. Here's, uh, it's just funny. Uh, here's how I got the everybody involved. I threatened to sue everybody uh, because because <laughs> I went like out a good attorney, Jack. <laughs> I'm just telling you what what was going on was atrocious. Wow. Um, we were going out and we were. It, you got to understand, it's freezing. All right, uh-huh. people are dying or damn near dying. They're out there and and they need you know they need help. Mm-hmm. We're providing help. We're we taking them sleeping bags, tents clothes, warm stuff, anything just to keep them from freezing to death. Well, the the homeless people would go to the soup kitchen, which is one of the main things they have. It's mm-hmm. a soup kitchen every day at 11. They feed the homeless people, and there's usually 200 of them there every day. Mm-hmm. And and when they went to the soup kitchen, then the city officials would show up with the sheriff's department and steal all their stuff, throw it on a dumpster, and take it to the dump. And and they were also being particularly a couple of the officers and a couple of the people involved were being particularly nasty to the homeless because they felt they were and a nuisance I, probably shocked they what we said earlier well, on right well they get they get complaints from the businesses right. and that sort of thing and then you know and I think some of them just don't like homeless I well mean, and like some of them are probably get, what, what you know, about like this a lot of people but maybe some of them were do you think it's possible now ask you this here could some of them have been just trying to clean up the streets a little bit too potentially with the extra stuff or is that not possible no 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 they were going they were you know it's it's crazy mm-hmm. the way that they handle the homeless. They they go and get all their stuff and they throw it in a dumpster, okay? And they think, well, they're going to leave. No, they don't leave. They don't have anywhere else to go because if they had somewhere else to go, they wouldn't be there. 
this is not, you know, like the Hilton they're going to. <laughs> this is underneath the bridge yeah. to keep them out of the rain. See, nobody has right? a clue. Nobody has a clue, Jacques, about homelessness. That's what yeah. you're saying right oh, and there. I, and, and they complain. They said, oh, they're trashy. I said, are they really trashy? Can you believe that? They don't have food to eat. They don't have clothes to wear. Uh, they're starving to death. And, and, and you, you want them to go out and buy a trash can? I said, I don't think that's going to happen. I said, but every single citizen in this whole community gets free trash pickup. And you provide them with a can, and they put it in there. I guarantee you take their can away, and trash will be piled up all around their place. And I said, you want, it, you want st- trash to stop? Go give them a daggum trash can. Hmm. All right? Give them a trash can. Pick it up just like you do for every other person that lives here. And treat them the same, and then you won't have problems with trash. So, so you were bringing it back to, if you think about this, Jacques, you were bringing it back to, as far as I'm concerned, the lowest possible denominator. You're talking about what what we're talking about here, really, and uh, I'm really stunned by some. I mean, you're talking about human decency. That's what you're talking right. about. Human decency. Right. And 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 it, and it's you know my thing was okay. If I went to your house while you went to lunch and I took your stuff and threw it in a truck and took it to the dump, mm-hmm. you'd have me arrested. I'd, I'd be really upset. <laughs> Every Everybody, and you should. That's a theft. Mm-hmm. I told them it is theft, and if you got over $500 worth of their crap, it's felony theft. And I said, and so what I did, I went and gave the homeless little notepads and pens, and I said, you write down car numbers, you write down badges, you write down names, and you get it all to me, and I tell you what, I'm getting ready to Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I put it all, I put it all over Facebook, all over my website, <laughs> everything oh, else. Man. And so then I get a call from the sheriff's department. <laughs> can we talk about this? <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it. I'm loving this. Oh, so here, don't, don't, don't cross, don't cross Jacques Hawk. Don't cross Jacques Hawk. Well, I just, you know, there, there, uh, there's a way you treat human beings and there's a way you never treat human beings. Well, what I'm amazed with is when you start saying, you know, like, uh, well, I told him I'd sue him. Uh, I was, I mean, and uh, the, the funny thing about the oh, story. Oh, I put it out there. I told him, I, I said, I'm, and I'm not so much after right. the ones that are out there doing the dirty work, but right. I want to know who's upstairs ordering it. Right. Well, 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 the thing is that what's really unique about this, though, Jacques, is that it's one thing when somebody says that. It's another thing when they act on it. And it's another thing when it's an attorney who has the means to do it. That's what I find ironic about this. I mean, you're not just another. You're an attorney. This is what you do for a living. I I litigate. You litigate. they, they, They know me. (laughs) <laughs> so so you then so you get the, this is i mean i'm i'm really amazed with the story it's it's an incredible story so you go after the sheriff's the sheriff's then calls you and says can we talk what happens next yeah it winds up great it was a i, I of course i did some criminal defense work for you for a long time and uh there was a gentleman named pat clayton that was work with the dea we had wars against one another all kind of things federal trials everything else but we had a lot of respect for one another pat's a really good man he's a good human being mm-hmm. and uh pat was i think a little shocked to to hear you know my version of what was going on out there and he said let's talk let's find out what's going on and let's see if we can fix it i said that's what i want i i, I want it fixed i said you know i'm not out just to sue people to sue people but i tell you what we're not gonna we're not gonna take this stuff we're not gonna throw it on the back of dumpster and and 
and especially when they go in the soup kitchen just trying to get something to eat. Now, did you, did you ever have to really, I mean, other than the talk and the conversation, you, was there actually ever a suit? There was never a lawsuit, no, was there? No, no. okay. After, right. after, after, the, after this, Pat saw what I was saying. He stopped. Right. He, we actually gave him the names of the ones that were giving the homeless people the worst time. Uh, he stopped all that. He got everything, and he told me if I had any other problems, let him know. I reported to him from time to time. Mm -hmm. He's the one that helped get the task force started, get everybody coordinated. We so it's a have task a meeting force now. The sheriff's department now. Well, yeah, I, I mean, the homeless. I mean, how brilliant is this? So stop. I mean, we're gonna stop him now. How brilliant is this, Kevin? So he gives pads and pens and pencils to the to the to the uh, homelessness and says, "You write." Everything. I mean, this is brilliant. You write everything down, write descriptions, license number, whatever you got. And you give it to me, and I'm going to handle it. Then he gets this Chief Patrick Clayton, uh, who's the chief of Real the Richmond guy. County Sheriff's Office, right? He, yeah. he he's he's a captain. Captain. Now. He's a captain. Oh, uh, right. well, maybe I think he might be the chief deputy or captain. Well, whatever he is, sure. he's a big cat there. Real good, and, real good guy. Yeah, real yeah. good guy. Well, you made him a good guy, like you did the other folks. And then now we, you get the ta so the task force. How does the task force come together? That's amazing. I'm amazed by this. Um. Pat actually sets this up. It was sort of weird. The first time they set it up, I actually missed the meeting because I caught myself on fire trying to repair a camper refrigerator and got second and third degree burns over like 30% of my body. So oh, I missed the dear. first one, but I made wow. it to all the other ones after that. And basically what he did is he reached out to everybody that was trying to help the homeless, whether it was a mission group, whether it was a church, whether it was a, you know, a shelter or whatever and got everybody to come together and start coordinating stuff. And also, we also have pamphlets now uh, that when I go out and give out tents and sleeping blankets and everything else, I have a pamphlet that tells them everywhere they can go and get help and what kind of help can be provided, the contact information and everything else. Wow. And that's a result of this. Wow. And uh, Wow. Um, Anyway, and then one doctor, well, the, the Metro Spirit, a local uh, newspaper here, ran an article about what we were doing, um, and it got, you know, a lot of people liked it. And a doctor, Dr. Ray Johnson, a cardiologist, came by and donated $5,000 and told me to do whatever I needed to with it to help the homeless. We bought over a 100-and-something tents, sleeping bags. Uh, that's the main thing that they really, really need. And uh, we distributed distributed all those out. We we gave out all all those things, and it's it's now everybody's working together. The main, you know, like I said, I'm trying to get a, a low uh, threshold shelter approved with the city, and the city people are, are working with me. Matter of fact, the one that's heading it up is actually one of the city employees. Uh, I think his name is Damon Evans, and yeah. then. Uh, and then after that, the main thing that they need is a, is a transition center. It is yeah. a place that they can go to and take a shower. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Care. So you envision okay. this train because I've seen that in the in the backstory. Uh, so you envision this transition center, so which I really like, kind of what that sounds like, and it's a place where they can sort of get their program together by again basic needs, as you say, right, Jacques? Basic needs. Get get right. the basic it's, needs handled. It's a place. Right. And remember, remember, everybody says, oh, why don't they get a job? Right. Well, right, this right. is the kind of center they need in order to get back on their feet and get going again. It helps them get their licenses. It helps them get their Social Security card. It helps them get uh, 
uh, basic and low in, you know low cost medical care. It allows him somewhere to take a shower, uh, somewhere to rest, somewhere so to here's what get I like. access here's what, here's to what I'm to for jobs. You're yeah. helping people help themselves, number one, okay? That I like a lot. You're helping people help right. themselves, number one. That That's big. The second thing is you're providing the services, the contact numbers, the information, the, 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 the possibilities out there for them to seek the help, right? Those are two big things that shine to me. That's a spotlight, Jacques, because if you're going to impact change, if you're going to, you know, impact something, you've got to be able to get to the root cause. I want to stop a moment. I want to to come back to this root cause a moment because I want to ask you some things here. In a lot of the stories you've talked about here with people that are in, and I, I was really moved by the story of the young person you said that was under the bridge who was, you thought was near death when you first started this back in 16, you know, and how many people you've met since then and some of the stories you've encountered. What are some of the unique factors that when we talk about homelessness, right? What, Let's take a moment here, and I want people to understand, and I want to hear it from your thoughts here, Jacques. What drives somebody to the streets? What drives somebody to be homeless? I mean, we say that could happen to anybody. It could happen to you, I, Kevin, could happen to someone. You know. So what, what have you seen as a connecting factor here from a lot of these people that ended up on the streets? I mean, none of them probably planned to be there, but kind of their life took a turn, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's always, uh, uh, I mean, I would say 85 to 90 percent is some sort of disability, some sort of physical uh, disability that struck them and took away uh, their ability to earn a living or either. So that many. I mean, you know, it's a guy. Huh? That many, you say. You say that many. Yeah, and, and, and. and that and that and mental disability. So right, it's a disability right. Right. Uh, to work that leads to homelessness more than anything. And it's not by choice. Either they are mentally disabled, and I mean, you know, I, I've seen it all. I mean, I don't let I don't let my wife go with me mm-hmm. out and do this mm-hmm. because you know sometimes I'm in the woods and I'm back there with them by myself, mm-hmm. and and sometimes you know they they aren't thinking rationally um you know they're delusional and, and, and they could and, th- and they could know, think that you're part of the problem they could think you're the enemy well they could point. yeah, yeah they sure. could, you know I, I, it's, poten- it's potentially dangerous yes right. it is That's right. but it's dangerous because mm-hmm. they don't have the ability to get the help mm-hmm. and and nobody is helping them the only thing they do is they take them in a little bit give them some medication get them right. where they seem halfway okay and they send them back out okay and and then they go right back to where they were and and the and the physical disability. I mean, I've I've got a guy. Mm-hmm. He needs to be in a wheelchair. He he can walk maybe four to six inches per step. Mm-hmm. You know, and you see him walking to the soup kitchen. I mean, he has to start if he's a quarter mile away or half mile away, about an hour ahead of time to get there. Right. You and know. and he doesn't have a wheelchair. He doesn't have the ability to get a wheelchair and everything else. I'm trying to get him to a Social Security disability attorney. So. I mean, he he physically can can barely walk. Wow, Jack, you know something? I have to tell you. You know what comes to my mind, honestly? You are like the Mother Teresa of homelessness. I don't know about that. See, what that's I mean, a, that's a yeah, that well, is, that is, at least, uh, at least is, I mean, I mean, Georgia. Well, no, the no, body he, of work, the body of work that she did 
Mm-hmm. It's something for well, everybody but to there's a, to. But the point is, the body of work, when you hear your truths and you hear what you put out there, they are significant. Uh, because you, what, what I'm in, just let's stop a moment. What I'm impressed with the most for people to understand is what really strikes me about this whole conversation is, you see, we have government entities all over the place. We have these public entities, whether it's a sheriff's office, uh, whether it's a, a public mayor's office, or whether it's a statewide program, whether it's the federal government, whatever it is. Homelessness is a problem throughout. I mean, you see the plight of we've been talking a lot recently about a lot of these cities and communities, Jacques, in California. San Francisco in particular has been in the national spotlight for some time now. I mean, the the... Right. the, the I mean, they've got weight, human waste. You can't even walk through the city anymore and Union Square and right. many areas of that area. They say it's despicable. Uh, it has become right. more than a nuisance. It's a way of life that has impacted things in a profound way. But here's the thing. The right. reason I bring this up, buddy, and the reason I want to drive to a bigger point right this moment is this. You see, nobody is really, truly understanding the problem. Nobody that I hear out there is talking about the root cause of this program. I don't hear that from anybody. I don't hear that from politicians. I don't hear it from congressional offices. I don't hear it from the local senator. I don't hear it from the statewide, the federal government. I don't hear it from the show. I don't hear it from anybody. Nobody is really talking about the root cause. And you know what you've done on this program already? The reason I made that leap and said the Mother Teresa thing or whatever, I was going to call it Father Teresa, but not to, you know. But the point of this was, the reason I said that wasn't to be funny, wasn't to be a wise guy or to to put a feather in your cap. It wasn't to do with any of that. It was to do with the fact that you have not only brought it back to the root cause, and really looking at the plight of these people, but the human decency and how you've done it, to me, I'm aghast by it. It's striking. I mean, what you've done here is, it's a serious story. I mean, this is, I mean, everything I see about this thing, this is a serious, this should be all over the front headline. This is the story you never hear about. This is what I mean about the brink of greatness. A lot of these stories we talk about here, Jacques, you don't hear about these things on the 6 o'clock news. It's not like they're going to open up the 6 o'clock news in Augusta or in the state program of Atlanta or somewhere say, well, we got news today here. Jacques Hawk, he's, yeah, he's doing something about that homelessness. Let me tell you, that's not, just simply not what you're going to hear. Yes, sir. Yeah, what you're going to hear is the, the 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 crime. Who screwed who over, and and who raped who, and where? The, that's what you're going to hear in the six. Isn't it sickening? It is, and with just a little bit of attention, a little bit of attention, and 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 the cost of a uh, the cost of a transition center is much cheaper than the way they normally handle it by using city employees, moving them from place to place, uh, uh, picking up the tab when they go to an emergency room just because they're trying to get out of the cold, uh, picking up the tab you know, when they, they get themselves locked up just to get out of the cold, uh, things like that. And every, every economic study that has ever been done, as far as I know, about the cost of a transition center versus the cost of dealing with the homeless the way they have been doing it, uh, every one of them, it, it, it's a win-win for the city. Uh, they get the the homeless uh, population uh, transitions better, and the cost is is much much less. You know, you know, I want to say this. You know, Kevin, I got to tell you something. I'm I'm listening to Jacques here and all of this, and I have to tell you there. 
We need to have a federal task force. I think we need to have this on a lot of topics. But homelessness, since we are on this major topic in this crisis in America, it's a crisis, you know. And and I got to tell you, really, Jacques Hawk should be running the task force uh, because he could bring, I'm talking federally now, across the nation, because these are problems that have got to be addressed in all kinds of cities and communities and towns. I mean, you know, Jacques, you, you take a look. I want to talk a second about, just humor me a moment, both of you guys, but San Francisco. San Francisco, again, I bring that up a moment ago. Now, the stories you're hearing about San Francisco are profound. San Francisco is a once proud American city, you know. Uh, but what you're hearing lately about that is they, their tourism has been cut down greatly. Uh, corporations are canceling their conferences and seminars. Uh, it's a crisis mode what's happening out there in that city, Jacques. I mean, it's a crisis. And yet I don't hear any yeah. conversations getting back to the root cause. If somebody like you came along and could really kickstart that. Uh, it, it would it would be very simple to get somebody to be the head of this. And all they have to do is go out there and live a month with the homeless. And then, see, then you put them in charge. See, that's what you've done, though. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Is a lot of people, even myself, you look at it from a distance, but you don't go in and touch it, right? And try to understand. You've gone out and actually gone it, like you said, going to the woods. It's not always safe, but you're willing to go in, talk to the people, understand what the real problem is, the root cause, and then do something about it. Others, unfortunately, just like, I just want to, I hear about it, I see it, but I really don't want to figure it out. I just want it to be as it is. That's it. You're a man of action. But, but, you you know, the thing thing is, Mm. all you have to do is go out there. It's very, very simple. You want to find out what's going on and how they wind up there? Sit down, talk to them face-to-face, and say, what's your story? And and you will hear every story. And, I I mean, if, if they were... If it was just something mm-hmm. absurd or whatever, they're all the same. Yeah. They're all very, very similar. Yep, yep. And, and you story? hear it over and over and over. Uh, what an incredible conversation. I, listen, I need to pause here a moment. We'll come back and watch your story. I have some thoughts to that. Let's pick up the story in just a moment here. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. The 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. I don't see government being an answer to a lot of our problems, and I think we need to do it on the private side, Jack. So I'm suggesting that a lot of smart people like you and I and Kevin and many others that are listening out there, that we get together and we do these think tank conversations and back to what's your story, and we solve some of the problems that are going on in the world that clearly government is incapable of solving, that we should be able to do it at the better level. Does that make sense? Yes, sir, it does. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense, but I don't hear anybody really talking about that. I, that's part of my plan. But, but I, I promise you, if you're, just, if you're talking about creating another bureaucracy, to, <laughs> okay, we're going we're gonna to look at the statistics, and we're going to look at 
Yeah. Uh, and you know, the, we're gonna do some studies, and we're gonna do a, <laughs> that. That's not some. They need to get a whole group of people, mm-hmm. send them out, let them live with the homeless for about thirty days, mm-hmm. and then put them back, and then let them go to work. Now, did you live with the homeless? Did you do that? I haven't. I haven't actually went out there and stayed. I've only been like you know. I've been out late at night. I've been out very early in the morning and things like that. Yeah. yeah. I did offer to the sheriff's department. They said they were training. Yeah. Uh, a group of deputies that will be specially tasked with dealing with the homeless. Well, the reason I ask, the, I'm not asking and, to be a, the, I'm not asking to be a wise no, guy. No, 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 no. Let me let me tell you what I told them. I said the first thing that they need to do mm-hmm. is go live with the homeless, and if they'll go, right. if they'll go a week, I'll go a week. If they'll yeah. go a weekend, oh, I'll no go doubt, a weekend. No doubt. Whatever no they doubt. go, I will go. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. I don't doubt that for a second. But I ask you because you've mentioned it now a couple of times. But but here's the thing: what you're sure, saying, sure, sure. yeah, what you're saying really though, I think is, and and I'm I'm convinced of this. I mean, you understand the plight of these people. You've already proven that with everything you've said, and more so what I, I, your I, action is. I'm out there. Exactly. I'm, I'm right exactly. there with them. Exactly. I, I, exactly. I, I listen to their stories. Amen. You know, um, I see. You know, when you look at somebody's hands mm-hmm. and they have been weathered so bad that they just have big cracks in them, yep. like big dried yep. cracks where it's yep. just raw meat in between yep. the cracks. Yeah. And I'm talking about not a, not one or two on their hands. I'm talking about their hands are covered with them. Sad. You don't you don't really have to live with them to understand when they show you their hands and you go, oh my goodness. That's right, that's right. It's sad, it's incredibly sad. And when you're out in the woods with them and you see the conditions they're in and you see on the streets, you're exactly right. And then what must go through your mind is how do we change that paradigm? How do we change those cracks? How do we change that life? How do we change and give that person an opportunity, a chance? Like a, a person like myself, right? We A lot of times it's sad that we see somebody mm-hmm. who has a sign that says, uh, I need help, give me money. Mm-hmm. And sometimes myself and many, many others, it's like, well, what are they going to use the money for? Is it for drugs, for alcohol? You know, and we're not sure what to do. Well, that's so actually a good question. That's actually a good question because you, if you drive the road and you see people sometimes in the middle of the road there and you see them sometimes go around the corner and they'll go and smoke a cigarette or do something else and then you kind of wonder, what about those people? And do you give a donation to every person you see that has a sign-up, Jack? Pretty much. <laughs> You, I'm a sucker. You're like, I am a sucker, like, right? Okay. Yeah, you know, my my thing is this. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to be able uh, sometimes to adequately discern who is really and truly homeless and in need and who's out there just panhandling and then going back to his house. Okay? Right, right, and, right. Unless you're going to follow him around or whatever. Now, I, I noticed lo- lately, you know, if, if anybody does that now and somebody finds out about it, they blast him on so- social media, <laughs> which well, I think is great. One of the uh, things I enjoyed about what you said, and I lost sight of that actually early on in the program, I, I just want to circle back a fast second because you mentioned early on that you used social media as a tool and you used it as a point of almost embarrassment or humiliation. Is that correct? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I That's wanted powerful. I wanted everybody in the community to understand what was going on. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I remember I was so livid when I found out they were, mm-hmm. uh, particularly it was particularly cold, and and they were taking their their stuff to stay warm. Yeah. Uh, uh, I remember putting putting on a post something like, uh, uh, "I just want everybody to sleep really good tonight." 
so that you'll understand our sheriff's department is protecting us from the homeless by taking everything they need to survive uh, this cold night. And now they'll they'll freeze to death, and y'all should all you know feel much safer. Jack, it sounds like you've become a bit of a local legend there, no? I'm no legend. I'm just <laughs> no. I, just, I'm, I care. And, no, no. And, I'm, and saying, really I'm saying. I'm saying. The only people that are the only people that are ever ever going to do anything about yeah. that uh-huh. are people who care. Yeah, no, I get and it. If you don't find people that are compassionate and mm-hmm. caring, uh, and caring for their human, the other human being. And not just treating it as a dog eat dog world, okay. uh, then then uh, uh, you know nobody's going to do it. All right, now listen. In a if couple of find, mo- if you find people that are truly compassionate, that care for their fellow human being, and you put them in charge, they will try and get things. All right, done. Well said. Well said. Now, a couple moments left. I want to take them. I want to talk about the future with you. I don't want to lose sight of that. Okay. What do we what, what, talk to me about future plans and let's discuss how we can all make a difference? Uh, talk to me. Our focus is shelter and clothing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that you know, I mean, we take some food and things like that, but but our main focus is shelter and clothing mm-hmm. because they do have soup kitchens and churches and things like that, at least in our area, that get them some basic food. Okay, not a whole lot, but a, but basic food. They're not going to die. And uh, so that that still remains our focus. But my main uh, focus right now is pushing for that transition center. That will help them more than all the clothes I drop off. Uh, you know, all the 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 footwork that I can do. What will it take to get that transition center? What will it take to get that? Just everybody pushing, and every you know, for the first time, everybody is pushing, and we're pushing together with this task force and this committee. You know we're 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 pushing, and I mean, and and if I have to go back on social social media and embarrass the hell out of everybody mm-hmm. because we're not getting it done because nobody everybody's talking about it right. and it's just talk, mm-hmm. uh, then I will put it out there no that doubt. everybody's talking about it. No nobody's doubt. doing a daggum thing. No doubt, no doubt. Now let me ask you this: I can I, I'm going to assume, and I don't want to, but t- talk to me how, as far as making contact with you. Now we talked about Facebook a moment ago, but there's no website yet for any of this, right? I mean, it's a t- Task force, but no, I don't, I don't have like a homeless website. Right, I've right, really right. Been using, and, and we're not a not-for-profit uh, organization. You don't have to set up as like a five. There, there's no organization. No, right? no, no. Okay, all right. Just need to ask. No. And but you do have a Facebook presence. Is it Facebook or Twitter? Are you on Twitter as well, or just Facebook? Uh, I'm just on Facebook. I'm I'm really sort of a uh, dinosaur when it comes to computers and social media and all that. But my kids set up me a Facebook thing and. And I found that it was a good way to communicate about things like this and things that are uh, passionate to me. And uh, and how do people you know, find you on Facebook? Also, what do they type in to find you? What's the address there? Uh, well, you can do the Hawk Firm, D-T-H-E-H-A-W-K-F-I-R-M. The Hawk Firm is our okay. is our office uh, uh, website, which we utilize to you know do a lot for the homeless. You'll see we've had ads. Uh, things like that to gather the thing, and normally, like, like I pay for advertising, at least some basic little print advertising, some of the local papers. But many times, particularly in the winter, um, my ads are not about our business. My ads are about getting stuff for the homeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you know what they need, describe you know describing particularly the things that they need to get through the winter. Um, uh, and then I also use my personal Facebook page, which is uh, Jacques mm-hmm. Hawk, J-A-C-Q-U-E, 
H-A-W-K. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, luckily, I've got about 5,000 friends. I think that's the most you can have. It is. And so when, when I put them out, mm-hmm. you know, they they do a lot of sharing. And, and believe me, uh, I have a lot of good friends that care. Well, and they bring And they bring in coats. They bring in sleeping bags. They bring in whatever go. I say we need. Yeah, this is the power of social media, what you're speaking about right now. That's the power of it right there. And you're really using it for, yeah, you're using it for good, uh, for really, really good. Uh, Jacques, there's a lot more to talk about ahead. There's a lot more. This, again, like all of our Brink thinkers, um, this is the start of hopefully a beautiful relationship. I mean, I, I am really uh, so pleased to have you on this broadcast today. I'm even more pleased to get the word out there and what you're doing. The fact that you got it to the root cause, the fact that you were able to really understand, and the voice of humanity that comes through when you speak, and the voice of just, again, I say decent human interaction. I mean, you bring it down and back to the simple point of connection relationship i like that chuck i like that you know god bless you buddy for all that you well I, I appreciate y'all uh giving me a, a, a platform absolutely uh, to talk about their fight yeah yeah absolutely well it's a start of many things i hope we can do with you i i you're such a joy to talk with as well and your spirit and your enthusiasm and everything you bring to this uh, I have to tell you, I, I am really, uh, I continue to be stunned, uh, but I guess, as I said when we started this journey, friends, on the brink of greatness, there are really significant and tremendous people out there that are making a difference in the world. Jacques Hawk is one you've just met, but you take a look at the brink of greatness and look at many of the people we write about and we talk about on this platform, it truly, truly is amazing. I, I got to ask all of you to get involved, make a difference out there, do something with it. That's what's unique about the brink of greatness and is bringing a spotlight to these things that really, truly, truly matter, friends. Please get involved. Do something with this thing so we can all make a difference. Again, every Saturday and Sunday, you'll hear the newest show on the brink of greatness. It's all runs on America Out Loud Talk Radio is where you'll hear the latest program. But Mondays, it goes to podcasts on demand. Do me a favor. Go to the Apple Podcast, uh, the Apple Store, where you normally go to do your thing there, your apps and what have you, and look up Brink of Greatness, the show. And rate us and review us there. Give us five stars if you would and leave us a review or something. And subscribe to the podcast. And then you'll get this in every Monday as well. But again, we're on talk radio every weekend, 9 a.m., America Out Loud Talk Radio. All the contact points are on americaoutloud.com, friends. Um, it is a joy to be with you, a joy to bring you Jacques uh, Hawk's story here and the homelessness and his son Aaron as well. I want to mention the work they're doing. So we'll talk to him at some point as well, I hope. Uh, wishing the greatest friends. The brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back? Remember to take the next leap forward. <laughs>